Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an award-winning STEM communicator, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant and coach. Now my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. This is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time. Now I know being an entrepreneur can be both lonely and overwhelming. At UK Educators Community, we've created a community of like-minded, like-valued individuals all supporting each other. From the Champions Club accountability groups to business retreats in Marrakesh, you'll find industry-specific support to help you propel your business forward. So why don't you join us? Join our Facebook group, UK Educators, or find some great resources on the website at ukeducators.com. We look forward to welcoming you to our community. Then we've got the amazing Helen Westwood with us today, and she's going to be talking to us about her career as a personal finance teacher and then she also looks at money management and she tutors maths and she's just got into group tutoring so we'll talk a bit about that because I think she's really excited. Uh, So welcome Helen, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yep, so I initially started my career when I sort of finished my degree, um, went into the corporate world, did a couple of years as a tax consultant before I decided that that wasn't quite the world for me and actually after having lunch with one of my old teachers that I'd kept in touch with, three weeks later I was offered a job on the graduate teacher program at my old school. So having spent 16 hours a week happily in the maths department, I was then back training to be a maths teacher. And after my first two years of my career, because of my previous work experience, when one of the deputy heads found out about this new personal finance and money management qualification that was just being brought out um, for post-16 students, I was asked if I wanted to lead and develop that. And whilst I I will always have a passion for maths, um, it was obviously my favourite subject at at school with doing, you know, double maths A-level. I was really interested to actually have a sort of, you know, couple of strings to my bow in terms of my teaching. So I started started teaching the year 12 certificate in financial studies course um, and then also the year 13 course and then when the IFS as was then brought out the key stage four level two qualification I launched that at my school there and um, before after five years being recruited to my um, current school where I was asked to introduce the finance courses and lead those and I've been leading those ever since. That sounds really interesting because most people that go into teaching teach purely academic subjects and the fact that you're teaching something very vocational and you've got experience of that beforehand you bring something different to I think even teaching maths because you can draw on that experience so do you find because I know you tutor a lot in maths so do you find that your experience helps you to kind of get the kids to relate to something that's in real life? Do you find that you can draw your experience working in that sector? Depending on what it is I'm covering, I think it's possibly more sort of over the, the length of my career and sort of the different students that I've met and I've worked with. So um, I can often sort of think about strategies that maybe helped with one group or one class that when I meet another individual subsequently, I can see that actually that might be something that they sort of find beneficial. But I've also got quite a strong interest 
interest in sort of careers and careers development. So, you know, one of the most sort of unique aspects of tutoring I've done is I supported a younger brother of somebody that I taught because he was going into the RAF. So he was looking at doing the sort of aptitude tests before he was entering the forces. So that was something that I sort of spent some time going through the sort of practice and the, the numeracy and things like your maps and your bearings types questions. So while it was quite different to my day-to-day sort of teaching, it was something that I could sort of support him with, which was really interesting. That sounds really exciting. So at the moment, how does your day or week kind of split? Because I know you're, you're still teaching in a school and you're tutoring as well. So what are you actually doing and how, how like broad are you in terms of the different types of things that you do currently? I'm part-time in school. So I've got two days a week that I'm in school. The other days I'm doing some daytime tutoring because I support home educating families. We've got quite a big home educating community around Milton Keynes near where I live. So I've got a number of families that I'm supporting with the maths sort of during the day. And then of course the sort of after school and evening sessions is when I'm working with a lot of my math students who might be sort of key stage two upwards. So what do you do with the home ed kids? Is it just maths? curriculum based or are you bringing in some of your personal finance stuff as well? It's very much sort of driven by the approach and sort of the interest of the families that I'm working with. Some of my home educating families take quite a structured approach so they might Mm. be sort of looking at you know working towards certain sort of assessments within a certain time frame. Other families prefer to go very much more on maybe what a child might be sort of interested at a particular time and we sort of go off at those sort of tangents sort of supporting those interests. I have also done some personal finance sessions with actually sort of an older brother of the student I was doing the maths with because they were preparing to sit their GCSE maths exams but their older brother was looking at moving out and living independently so when I sort of mum found out about my sort of personal finance side she asked me would I come up with sort of three bespoke sessions just covering sort of income taxation things that would just be useful for him to explore before he moved out. I do believe that all kids should have access to that kind of teaching because it's so difficult kind of having your parents pay for everything and being being financially secure to then kind of go into the world and kind of fend for yourself. And these skills were never taught in the education system. And I think they should be part of the education that we receive in a school environment because it's so vital to us surviving and living. Definitely. And so do you find that you have a lot of parents like that when they find out that you do have a personal finance kind of background and you're teaching that? Do you find that they will kind of jump to that? And do you find that adults also kind of get those sessions with you? Um, I haven't had the book sort of so far, but it's certainly something I wouldn't rule out of doing. I mean, certainly when I've had a lot of conversations sort of with my school role, you know, parents evenings mm. and open evenings, the number of times someone said to me, oh, you know, I, sh- I need to do this course or I could do with having these lessons. So it's not sort of a path I've explored yet, but who knows in the future. So in terms of a typical day for you, if we were to take maybe a day where you're tutoring and not teaching, because I think a typical teaching day is getting up really early and going to work, but a typical teaching day, so maybe the day where you're working with the home ed families what does that day typically look like for you like what time do you get up and what time do you have breakfast do you go for a run do you do marking like what does that day look for you yeah so I have a fairly sort of similar pattern because I've got a 10 year old daughter so on the days that I'm not in school I'll do the school run so we'll sort of get up at normal time sort of get ready together and then I'll get her sorted and get her taken to school and then I normally sort of give myself about 20 to 30 minutes just to sort of get myself sorted for my sessions and then um, often I'll work with one of my home educating families sort of first thing in the morning and then I tend to have sort of either a 15 minute or half an hour gap and then sort of thinking about 
you know, one quite busy tutoring day, I might then work with one of my A-level students because with they, after some of my um, A-level sessions can often take place during the day because they might have free periods. So I often will have that and then I'll have, say, a sort of two o'clock before I do the school run, might have another session. In the last year, I've had students who have sought permission to actually come home at lunchtime and have a session with me in the afternoon because they're looking at sort of boosting their um, t- year 11 students, you know, who are approaching their GC maths exams. That's dedicated vacation right yeah so it worked out very nicely because I literally only had this one hour left and I said to this family I've got this Thursday afternoon you know what does she have on a Thursday afternoon and luckily it was a subject when they would had discussion with heads of year and as I say she was given permission to come home and she could have a math session with me so do you start at I'm assuming around 10 o'clock in the morning then with your tutoring it's normally between sort of quarter past nine and half nine Okay, that's quite early then. So it's a bit of a rush trying to get home then after you drop your daughter off. Yeah, luckily, it's just a sort of three minute bike ride and we're there. But one of the things I'm thinking about going forward, I haven't done it yet, but possibly sort of breakfast sessions, because I'm thinking of all these, because I I get quite fully booked. I think I've got about a two year waiting list again now. So I'm trying to be quite innovative in terms of how I might be able to, you know, meet the demand that there currently is for the tutoring I offer. And I'm thinking I've taught many students over the years, you know, who can get up incredibly early to go and do swimming or other sports. So I thought, well, if I'm in a situation where I could offer a session and if I had a student, I mean, I've been talking to somebody recently who they comment that that their son gets up really early. So it's an idea I've possibly had for, you know, teaching even earlier. But yeah, at the moment, it's sort of about a 9.15, 9.30 start. How early would you start? Well, I was sort of thinking, depending what time they needed to leave, a sort of 7 a.m., because I offer my students sort of a choice of type of, of session length. So some sessions can be half an hour, 50 minutes or an hour. And I thought, well, I could do like a 50 minute, seven till 7.50. And then if they lived quite close to school, so they didn't have a lot of travel time, you know, that might be something. Again, it's, it's testing the water at the moment. That's like my worst nightmare. I can't do mornings. <laughs> I could probably do a late one. I couldn't do a morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the opposite. I get, I find like, like um, just fitting in because I'm going away with my daughter on Friday. So I mm. sort of fitted an extra session in last night that sort of meant finishing at about 10 past nine and you know that felt a little bit late to me so yeah I think I could possibly be better sort of early. So do you have plans to expand your business in terms of having other tutors because you've said that you've got a two-year waiting list which is amazing do you kind of expect to kind of train other tutors up as the years go by so that they can take some of that load? I suppose I haven't taken that step at the moment because well for many many years you know people come to me through word of mouth and what I do and I suppose it's taking that step to know that some if you're sort of asking somebody else to mm. do what you do it's it's you know making sure that they're going to tutor exactly yeah. as you do um, which I suppose is my reluctance because uh, you know I, I know what I do I know what I offer so I suppose at the moment and and in my experience has been that you know my family is will sign up with me and then when sessions become available they start I've just had somebody sign up their child for 2025 so I, mm. I've had quite a few people who if they know of somebody whose child's worked with me, they might say to me, when the child's in year five, I'd like them to start with you in year eight, or I'd like them to start with you in year nine. So part of the reason I get so booked up is is I've got quite a lot of families that, that plan quite far in advance. How do you get that commitment level, though? Like, do they put a deposit in that early? Like, how, what kind of commits them to it? Because things change and decisions that parents make change as well and are they very reliable do you find that as the years go by they do actually come back and they yeah do? yeah I do I've, I mean there, there might be some cases where 
people will join my waiting list and and normally families are you know really transparent and they might say you know I am going to keep looking and if I find somebody else that can help sooner and I have had that happen a couple of times but mm-hmm. I'd say sort of you know 90% of the time when I then go back to a family and say actually you know I've got this session coming available are you still interested that they take that up and then oh, I'd say because I maintain the waiting list if somebody you know either doesn't reply or that if they have an alternative tutor then I go to the next person on my waiting list and offer them the space so yeah the people who have booked up quite far in advance I sort of keep in touch with them you know about sort of every six months and just you know touch base and just check that they're still interested just so my waiting list is is up to date you know and accurate but yeah the people that do book that far in advance they then start when I've got the space that's crazy right it's like when people book for weddings they book the event organizers and things so far in advance and you're you're like as as much as in demand <laughs> <It's amazing. laughs> so you've done the the course to kind of help you to kind of think about group teaching um which one was it was it the online group one that you did yeah in fact the group one was the live one that I joined yeah you joined the live yeah. class and we had a really nice small group there where we were talking about um the, the transition from going into being a tutor to becoming a group tutor. I'd always worked as a group tutor, so you've got some insights into how I've done stuff. And then recently, you've been just telling me just before we started recording, you've started your very first group. That's right. Yeah, my my Sunday evening higher GCSE maths revision masterclass for year 10 students in their sort of 11 months up to GCSE maths in year 11. Would you have done that had you not been thinking about group tutoring beforehand? I think it was a case of almost like, you know, all the strands sort of aligning because yeah. I'd done I'd done the training course and I'd got some ideas and thinking about it also from the personal finance point of view but I suppose I hadn't didn't feel I was completely sort of clear on the audience and and who I was aiming for and and like I mentioned before I then had a week where I just had multiple inquiries of such similar students and I'd got this one sort of slot left that I was half thinking I'm not going to fill that I'm going to keep that and I thought well I could actually fit in the group at this point, you know, offer that time, offer that session. I did a bit of sort of planning in terms of what I thought that would look like, thanks to the course, and then put it out there, as I say, to the inquiries that I'd had, who I was otherwise saying, and again, because they were year 10 students going into year 11, unfortunately, you know, a two-year waiting list, of course, is no good in that situation. So when I was able to sort of offer this, three of them instantly signed up. And then what's been interesting since, with some more marketing, I've had sort of a subsequent group member, and then actually one of my one-to-one students in order to get sort of additional support she's actually joined that group as well to complement the one-to-one sessions that she's having with me yeah I find um, a lot of my students do that as well so I'll tutor students one-to-one and then they're also attending UK virtual school and sometimes they are attending UK virtual school and then they want the tutoring but in the majority of cases they're they're working one-to-one with me and I'll go why don't you do this as a supplement as well? Because it'll help you in these areas and they sign up to that as well. And they work hand in hand and it's quite nice to then for them to have a mixture of things that they're doing with you as well. So how are you finding that transition doing one-to-one for a very long period of time to now going into groups? Because you were talking about that it's very difficult to get them to interact. So how's that transition been for you? And what about in terms of the organisation of the families as well? How are you finding it all? I've actually think I've been really lucky in that 
I sort of, um, you know, put in place the idea of getting sort of um, monthly sessions sort of paid at the start of the month. So the, the admin side hasn't been onerous. I use the same sort of Zoom contacts in our waiting room and sort of lock it when we join. So the sort of security aspect, I'm not sending out links all the time. Yeah, so I say sort of the organization, I thought that maybe is that going to become onerous because I'm looking at dealing with five families rather than one. But I don't know if I've just been very lucky with the families that I've got joining up, but I've not found that to be sort of an onerous thing. I suppose what one of the things, again, we talked about on the training course, which I have seen is that you've got a different sort of need for the, the planning side to it because it is going to be more structured with mm. my one-to-one it's very much the sessions are very bespoke and yeah. you know if students come and say actually this week cumulative frequency has been causing me a headache then we'll go off on that tangent and of course that's not you know just not practical to do when you've got a group of five people but I suppose because I'm so familiar with the GCC content that I tutor I could look at that and look at the 11 months that we've got and think well what is it I'm going to look at achieving with this group and then sort of chunked down the planning it was I suppose all my sort of years of teaching and planning is more coming into play with that whereas with my one-to-one it's very much sort of being responsive to the individual students so you've still got that sort of individual responding while the students working on the particular topic that that session's focusing on but it's just that's you know slightly different sort of focus. How big do you think you're going to make your groups? At the moment this group is limited to six and like I was saying before, because a number of students in particular have chosen to join because they like the fact that, that I'm giving them that sort of individual feedback using the chat function. So whilst I will always encourage them, and some of them will do, you know, put their microphone on and maybe ask a question, um, predominantly the sort of interaction has been using the chat function. Um, so that can, of course, get quite busy if I've got sort of messages from all five of them. So I suppose at the moment I would be cautious at growing it too large because of that interaction and, and how mm-hmm. that's of taking part during the group session but certainly from the point of view of once I've got my content and that's all planned then I can see how a bigger group could be possible but I think I just have to manage how that sort of you know feedback process was going to work. And are you finding there's a lot more planning involved in in actually doing because you've talked about how there's a different style of teaching in terms of you're not as responsive so do you find yourself planning a lot of content are you still quite responsive in that you're still using a whiteboard and it depends on where the the students are or are you actually planning powerpoints and content beforehand to utilize in sessions I'm sort of having a clear idea of actually what I want to cover over our one hour and 15 minute session and I'll sort of break that down and then I'll also look at areas whereby I supply the students with the resources after each session so I might say to them this is an area where we've done a couple of questions but I'd suggest you now do these other six questions as part of your independent study because the aim of the group is to sort of just supplement their own individual revision so I'll very much have a whole uh, sort of you know four or five objectives all planned out And then I'll look at what I want to cover in that particular session where I feel like I'm going to give the teacher input and the sort of explanation type input and where there might be things that I might say, you know, this is quite fundamental, you know, core knowledge for you to be get really confident on before we maybe go on to this part. And uh, you've done quite a few courses. So you've done also the marketing and sales one. And then you've done the how to run online groups with UK educators. And I think you're looking at doing the third one that we've got, which was about nurturing your audience. You've not done that yet. So what did you learn from the first one? Did you put anything into practice from the marketing and sales? 
I think that one supported uh, and gave me a bit more insight in terms of how I could be using things like social media and mm. how I could be what sorts of things might be useful to support um, sort of marketing about my tutoring services. Um, I've also been sort of networking with quite a lot of sort of other people and other tutors and also seeing people that that um, I spoke to some did a discovery call with someone recently who's got a sales focus and I, it's quite interesting to also speak to people that that have you know it's sort of slightly different business approach where there are some parallels like we saw within the marketing and sales course you know based on tutoring and things that could be useful for sort of me and my business and there's, there's no right way it's about finding which way works for you and and like I've said before there's lots of business approaches out there and there's not very many that are tailored to the education sector because it's more about the nurturing side of, of, of things as well and getting to know people and building the word of mouth that you talked about which is so powerful and gives you so much work do you see yourself now kind of feeling a little bit more confident in having more and more groups is that something is that a direction that you might be going in to kind of ease that waiting list a bit yeah, definitely. I mean, what I'm looking at doing now is if, because I start to plan subsequent years as I've got that demand on that waiting list. And so mm. I can say to people, you know, you can have Tuesdays at six o'clock from June 2023. So what I'm starting to do now is I realise that because I, you know, I'm very fortunate to have that long waiting list, I could keep filling it with the one-to-one. But actually what I've looked at doing now is putting in where the groups are going to be, particularly because unfortunately this year I've not managed to launch the foundation GCSE maths one, which I would like to have done, but I've just simply run out of time. So going forward, I've actually put in the time slots where I'm going to have two higher GCSE maths groups and two foundation GCSE maths groups, and then working out the one-to-one spaces that I'll have available. And then that way, as I get students coming through or families that are inquiring I'll be able to give a choice of saying well for from a one-to-one point of view this might be what I'm able to offer from a group point of view these are the slots that I have available so I think because I'd like to keep um, offering both and I think it's just coming up with that sort of hybrid schedule. And so it sounds like you're really busy and you're so much in demand Uh, how do you draw that line of where you go right this is enough I'm not going to offer any more slots because the problem is when we see empty space in our diary which really should be spent with families or should be spent on planning or like eating or doing whatever else you could be doing right in your life and you go oh I could fit a slot in there so how where do you draw that line because I find that's really difficult as teachers because we're used to just filling all of our time with marking and planning and, and working for the kids so where do you draw that line? I think it's definitely a challenge and I think one of the things that's that's sort of helped me is is also being a mum to a 10-year-old daughter is when actually I've got activities that I'm sort of supporting Jessie with. I'm also a volunteer brownie leader so Monday evening I'm busy supporting our local brownie group. Um, so by the time I've um, helped Jessie with her online singing lesson and we've got ready for brownies that means Mondays is basically out and I think because of the demand that I've seen, I've, I've evolved times of working that I really didn't think I would. So, you know, I never thought I'd be tutoring at eight o'clock on a Friday evening. But um, when demand sort of came and, and somebody really wanted to start working with me because they were in year 11, I sort of said, well, I could do eight o'clock on a Friday, thinking I'd be told no way, you know, nobody's going to want to do that. And now I consistently fill, you know, three sessions on a Friday evening. But again, I, I suppose I sort of chunk my time up in that I'll, you know, pick Jesse up from the school run, we'll have a chunk of time together. And then after, you know, we've had dinner together, then I might start my work. So the great 
great thing. One of the things that I really enjoy is having that flexibility of scheduling in yeah. when are we working, you know, and having complete control over that and being able to say, you know, this is what I can do. This is when I can work. And so I, th- I think, like you say, it's important just to keep that line. Otherwise, you, you could just be working, you know, seven days a week. But it is keeping that balance. And do you find that you're chunking out time for doing social media posting to kind of work on your business as well and to kind of have thinking time? Because sometimes we're so engrossed in what we're doing day to day that we just don't allow ourselves time to reflect. So are you putting that time in or are you going to be working towards doing that in the future? It's definitely something I'm working towards. Um, I'm currently quite loving Facebook business suite because I did have a stint the other day of scheduling yeah. posts. And it was funny. I sort of just spent, you know, half an hour one afternoon and thought, you know, let's have a play around with this. And then all of a sudden I was having a busy week and I was like, oh, look, this poster just popped up and I remembered I'd done it. So I've also watched some videos talking about, you know, scheduling your content, doing like a month's worth of content in half an hour. So I can really see the value of sort of just, just doing that as opposed to, you know, during lockdown, I got into the house bit of sort of Friday evenings I'd sort of put some little helpful videos on my Facebook page and do some bits and pieces then so I think it's something that I'm working towards having that regular commitment and that regular time just to get that in place because I'm trying to sort of keep fairly regular and, and I've got you know some Canva templates that I'm using now that I'm using on my social media but again it's something that I just like to be a little bit more organized with and have that time allocated to. Have you thought about running personal finance group sessions where it's more workshop based and, and you look at more practical elements of personal finance and getting kids together and giving them that insight? I think it'd be really popular with home ed kids, but also maybe school kids as well, where parents are looking for something different. Because I think we as tutors think that they only want academic subjects. But if you offer something unique like that, there's a lot of people that are ready to grab that um, opportunity. Yeah, it's definitely something I'd be interested in doing sort of in the future, you know, when I've had some time to sort of really plan yeah. that and think about what that would look like. Because I've really enjoyed the bespoke sessions I've put together. I actually um, wrote a series of sessions for a performing arts college that I was teaching GCSE maths at for a number of years when the students who joined that at sick form level and hadn't got their um, pass at GCSE maths and therefore needed to carry on. Um, so they asked me to... Um, design some sessions that I call personal finance for performers and that was fantastic to present to students who were just going off to drama school um, you know just thinking about what might be the aspects of personal finance and personal financial planning that would be relevant to them particularly thinking about you know what their careers would look like with with them being performers. Yeah I think that's very much needed you could practically just work on that element and roll it out everywhere to lots of schools and colleges and sixth form um, uh, schools and because it's such a big needed topic and there's not enough of it being done at the moment. I think there'd be a big demand with the home ed community as well. There are that. there are some great sort of free resources. I mean, there was there's one recently. The Bank of England has partnered with the Beano, which I think that's a great yeah. combination. Um, so there's there's yeah some great sort of resources out there. But yeah, I agree that sort of um, delivery and, and getting that out to sort of yeah. you know all the students out there would be it, great. It doesn't it doesn't match live interaction. I think there's 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 a place for reading stuff and using resources. And then there's a place for actually having someone where you can ask questions. And this is why tutoring is so popular and will never, ever replace just YouTube. Because you think with the increase of YouTube videos and everything like that, that there'd be a decline in, in tutoring. But that's not what we've seen. There's a place for online videos, I, I reckon. And there's also a place for actually being able to speak with someone. And I guess this is why people still use Facebook to ask questions. They could go and Google it. They could find answers on YouTube, but we still reach out and we will still ask questions. 
And it does bug me when someone says, why don't you just Google it? And I'm like, but people want that human interaction. They want to ask a question. So there's always going to be um, a time and place for tutoring, I believe. So in terms of the next kind of five years for your business, where do you see yourself heading? I think just in terms of definitely developing the group offerings, again, more long term, I might look at offering groups for sort of different age groups. At the moment, I'm sort of looking at that sort of final year in the run up to GCSE. But um, again, I've got some quite high demand for sort of key stage two and key stage three students. So again, maybe looking at what I might do from that point of view on a group basis, that might be appropriate. Um, And also, sort of say, around building my sort of reputation with the home educating Mm. communities um, and sort of supporting more families because, um, you know, I find that really, really interesting because, you know, you've got such a sort of individual approach. You're working very much to, you know, how each individual um, child and family would like to, you know, have their education completed. Yeah, I love working with home ed kids. I've been working with them for 11 years and that's what education should be like, right? Because they come with ideas or they come with this curious mindset and they're not afraid to ask questions. And people imagine home ed kids to be very, very kind of quiet and not able to seek knowledge and not actually be on par with their peers. But I find that they're very much advanced in in the way that they approach life and the way that they approach learning. Um, And I do believe that it comes down to too much of a good thing isn't a good thing anymore. And, And schooling kind of makes learning a bit boring because we have Mm. it so easily accessible and once you take that away and a kid really has to ask questions to get the knowledge that they seek then it it, it turns everything on its head and it becomes it becomes a luxury almost where they can then work with someone to get an answer but also Um, having that freedom I think to go off on those tangents you know I had a fantastic sort of six weeks of algebra with my you know nine-year-old home educated student because you know she was just interested about well we've got these letters and so we sort of went down different paths and and another student had uh, had Pythagoras mentioned in a book they were reading so I I sort of said well you know would you like to explore Pythagoras Um, so so we did and it's you know it's incredible to say be able to sort of go off in these directions and come up with a sessions based on that area of interest and I I think you must have heard that I normally go to my tutoring sessions and say to the kid what do you want to learn today and uh, one of the the seven-year-olds that I've got he'll be like I want to learn about tires I want to learn about engines and just really random things and I'm thinking I don't know anything about this topic how do I kind of link it to something that I know but there's often ways of making that link so with tires we looked at circumference and diameter and and what the little codes are on the tires and they've all got like little meanings to them and they use different units and then we started talking about units and converting from one unit to another and he goes and he said to me miss why do they not use the same unit on all the numbers and I was like that's a good point like some of them are inches some of them are centimeters some of them are millimeters and it was like why do they do that I have no idea um, and there's probably some history in that. And then you could go into another tangent. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot you can you can take from a child's curiosity, I think, as well. And part of the joy is that we continue learning as well as adults because there's so much out there. So what's the next step in terms of what do you see yourself doing over the summer? Are you going to be offering something different or do you continue with your tutoring? 
So I've um, recently set up a website because as there's been lots of sort of discussion through social media, Facebook reviews has been sort of a little bit um, strange in terms of what it's been doing. So I wanted to collect reviews using Google My Business. And of course, to do that, you've got to have your website. And I'd also got in the situation where sorting out sessions through sort of text messaging and waiting for replies was getting quite cumbersome. So I thought, you know what, I need to find a way of scheduling. This is when I'm working in the summer holidays, put it out there and people can book in with what they wanted to. So approaching May half term, I think I'd got nine families that wanted sessions with me and it was just going to get so complicated doing it in my old way. So with my husband's support, we put together my WordPress website with a um, scheduling sort of applet in there. I uploaded all the sessions when I'm working, shared the link with my families and it all got booked in. So I've done something similar over the summer. So I've got some families that are booking in for one-to-one. I've got some of my um, students who are in my group who want to do some one-to-one on specific areas. And then with my regular families, um, I I tend to give them the option and say, what would you, you know, what would you like to do? You know, some Mm. of them take the summer break and they're traveling. You know, some of them might have one or two sessions. So again, what I've been able to do is, is upload my availability and then share that link and then people can sort of book in with me that way. So it's been a really nice development, you know, having the website in place and, and that facility. Tech makes life so much easier. It can be a pain as well when it's not working. Definitely. But I recently started using Calendly and you don't even need the website for that because it goes straight to the, through the Calendly link. Not for my tutoring, but just for meetings and for, for podcast interviews and things like that. And it's made my life so much easier. Though someone did comment recently that it, it takes out the personal side of things because you're just sending someone a link. And I'm like, I get it. But if you're holding 30 meetings in a couple of days, like it's just a nightmare trying to go, can you do this time? Can you do this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think I don't I th- think you have that personal interaction to get to that point where somebody wants to schedule in yeah. a meeting with you or a tutoring session. So I find I have a lot of sort of the interaction over things like Messenger or when I'm speaking to parents. Mm. And then when someone's at the point that actually they, they'd like to book their child in for sessions or summer sessions, actually, it's great to be able to say, well, ha- you know, have a look at my availability on here book in when's convenient um so i think you know that sort of final admin sorting bit yeah it's great that the tech can help out yeah yeah and it's those little processes that make life a little bit easier (laughs) especially when you're a one-band woman and you're trying to do everything yourself (laughs) yeah brilliant i think you've uh you've been just talking to you just makes me tired because you feel like you're you're constantly busy and you're doing so much and you're raising a child as well at the same time and that must be so draining kind of being up so early in the morning and then working in the evenings as well so what do you do in terms of having that downtime for you is there something that you do in your week where you kind of go right this is me time where I'm just going to be either reflecting, journaling, whatever it is that you do, maybe going for a run. What is it that you do? I do love yoga, which I've recently, luckily, with the sort of restrictions easing, um, my friend who teaches me yoga every Friday morning. So that is my sort of sacrosanct sort of, you know, just have a little bit of a rest and recharge. I do actually find my one-to-one teaching, because I'm very passionate about my subject, I do actually just enjoy it so much that yes when I've done sort of several sessions in a run I feel tired after it but actually 
at the time and sort of delivering that to you know that individual student I am very lucky in that I, I because I enjoy it so much it's something it doesn't feel like work if that makes sense yeah um so and also you know, like I said before about being able to sort of schedule the time in chunks that works for me because I'm moving from the different things that I do it's almost like there's a break in itself because I'm working in a slightly different way I've got my time in school I've got my time at home I've got my evening teaching so it's it sort of it's broken up in such a way that it gives me that change and, and I'm somebody that's not good when I get bored. I'm not good when I get bored. So it's good. I, it's, I like being busy. So if people want to get hold of you, how do they contact you? So I've got um, my Facebook page is Helen Westwood Maths and my website is HelenWestwoodMaths.com. Um, the financial education side to me, I mainly use Twitter for that, which is at Mrs. Finn Education. Brilliant. It's been such a nice experience talking to you and hearing about your uh, active lifestyle where you're doing so much. It's brilliant. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear how your group teaching goes as you go forward, because you've only just started very recently, right? Yes. So we've had four sessions. Yeah, still early days. Um, and I think over the next couple of months, you'll probably get a real good feel for it. It takes a while to find a format that works for you as well, I find. Because when I started doing it at the beginning of March 2020, when lockdown kind of took place, um, it probably took me three or four months before I found a format that I found worked for me. So it, it does take a time. And there's so many different ways of doing it as well. So it'd be really interesting to hear that journey and how you how you kind of adapt to a style that works for you. But thank you so much for taking part, Helen. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a favor and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode. If you fancy becoming a member of the Champions Club or would like to attend a learning workshop or maybe even the business and cultural retreat in Marrakesh, then visit the website ukeducators.com where you'll find lots of information. You can also join our Facebook community at UK Educators. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast and I'll see you next Sunday when we release another episode.